Morning, everybody. Uh, So this morning's reading is taken from the book 3 John. The Elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even though your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him. And you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Logan. Uh, good morning, everyone. If we haven't met, my name's Jesse, and Joel, our minister's away for a few weeks, and so we've just done a few one-off sermons, and a couple of weeks ago we looked at 2 John, this morning we're looking at 3 John, the, the sequel. So, why don't I pray, and then we'll, we'll think about 3 John. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for your word, thank you for 3 John, and I ask that as we come before it this morning, we would learn from it and grow as a result of it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, When I was younger, we're thinking about letters this morning, 3 John is a letter, I wrote a letter to Jonah Lomu, the the All Black. If you don't know who he was, was, he's my favourite player of all time. I think he's amazing. And he started having some health problems, early 2000s, that kind of, it stopped his career for a little bit, then he came back, then it kind of got worse. And I wrote him a letter. I brought the letter. Here it is. This isn't the original. I think Jonah had the original, probably framed it. And there was a drawing that went with it. I'm going to read out the letter. It says, Dear Jonah, I love you. Heartfelt. And I hope you can go back on for the All Blacks all blacks with Umanga. And I hope you pass it sometimes to Tricky Carlos. I assume that was Carlos Spencer. Uh, my name is Jesse from the Bean family. And I have a sister, Molly. Just the one sister. Uh, and I hope you can come around and visit us one day. I am four and a half, that's all, from Jesse. <laughs> P.S. We are in Australia at the moment, but we'll be coming back to New Zealand. I assume that would encourage him to come visit us. Anyway, that's to get us thinking about letters. This letter 
it said a lot about, I think myself probably, little four-year-old Jesse, and also Jonah, and also a couple of other people. Uh, it said that I had no idea really what was going on, that Jonah might be interested in me living in Australia. Uh, I think it shows the talent of Jonah, that he had little boys from Australia writing him letters saying how much they loved him. Well, this morning we're looking at 3 John, uh, another letter, a much, much, much greater letter, uh, one that shows us a lot about different people. It tells us a lot about John, uh, what he finds joy in, how he loves his friends. It talks of other people. Uh, If you were here a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the letter of 2 John, like I said, and even as you were reading 3 John this morning, you may have picked up some similarities. If you do have your Bible, it's helpful to be able to flick back and forth. Uh, Both 2 John and 3 John start with this great idea of truth. They speak a lot about truth. Uh, Both come from the elder at the beginning, which is John. Both are very short. Both speak of a church. Both end with John saying that he doesn't want to use pen and ink and promising to come visit in the future. They're very similar letters. Uh, They're so similar that some people, I think, go so far as to say that John may well have written them in one sitting. He sat down and wrote these two letters. Uh, Now, well, we can't know that for sure. It is helpful to get us into the mindset of thinking of these as a letter. Uh, John, a real man, sat down and wrote these words to a real group of Christians. Well, we're looking at 3 John this morning, and I want us to think about uh, one main question, and it follows, I think, nicely from the theme of truth that we looked at a couple of weeks ago in 2 John. And the question is, are we joyful in the truth? Are we joyful in the truth? Do we find joy in truth? And it comes from that one verse, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. No greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That is such a challenging verse for us as Christians. Are we joyful in the truth? Uh, Well, to start, I think we'll just look at an overview of the letter, and then we'll think about that one question in particular. There's lots in the letter, but uh, that one question I think is very helpful. So the letter as a whole... We've already seen some of the similarities between this and uh, 2 John, but the content in 3 John is very different from 2 John. Uh, It's written around and to these kind of three people. You've got Gaius, Diotrephes, and Demetrius. Those are the three people that are mentioned in the letter. Uh, They all have helpful things to say, I think, especially about how we should be living and acting as members of a church, which is helpful to all of us. Uh, The letter is written to the first man, Gaius, a man that we know nothing about besides what we see in the letter in front of us. He is a dear friend of John. The ESV says, beloved. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 5, verse 11, dear friend, dear friend, dear friend. Gaius is a dear friend and someone that John cares deeply about. And I think that John is a good example, isn't he, of how to care for Christian friends, even just in the span of one verse. Verse 2, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, 
even as your soul is getting along well. In other words, I am sure that your soul and your faith is going well, and so I also hope that you personally, in every other way, are going well. I think it can be very easy for us as Christians to be solely focused on just spiritual things and to become very intense in our friendships with other Christians. Uh, Our only conversations to be how is your prayer life or what has God shown you recently, which are great things to ask, but we can neglect to just see how a friend is doing in general. How are you feeling? How is work? How's your marriage? How is your family? And on the other hand, sometimes we can be so obsessed with those sort of questions that we can forget to ask the most important, how is your soul? How is your faith to our Christian friends? Too easily, I think, Christians can slip through the cracks because no one's asking them how they are and no one's taking an interest. And so it may, may be worth asking ourselves, where do we fall on that spectrum? Are we someone who needs to be wary of how intense we are and think more about how people and friends are doing physically or mentally? Or are you someone who should make more of an effort in showing interest in friends' spiritual well-being? Uh, John, I think, is a good example here. And then if we keep moving through the letter, that's when we see this verse that we'll come back to in a couple of minutes. John has heard from people that Gaius is going well in his faith, well in his soul, well in the truth, and he says that he has no greater joy than to hear that about someone. Carrying on, uh, John shows his love for Gaius as he encourages him in how he's doing. Looking particularly at verses 5 to 8, John is thanking Gaius for the hospitality that he's shown missionaries that have come to his church, those brothers that verse 5 mentions. These missionaries have gone, they have been welcomed lovingly by Gaius, and they've come back and they've told John of the great faith that he has. Verse 5, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. Gaius has been welcoming, loving, and hospitable to these fellow gospel workers. They've come to spread the word, and he's looked after them as they've done so. It's a great thing that he's done. That love that we we spoke of a couple of weeks ago in 2 John, that is being lived out here in Gaius. He's following Christ's commands. He's serving others. And he's loving those missionaries as the truth commands him. And the challenge for us then is very clearly spelt out in verse 8. We, we ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. We should think about how we welcome people here at St. Stephen's. Uh, It may just be the person on a Sunday who has come for the first time. Are we willing to make an effort? Are we willing to open our home, share lunch with one another? Uh, That person, it may be mission partners who come back from overseas. Are we looking after them as a church? Not overworking them, but being loving, serving them as Christ would have us serve. And the reason we do it, the reason John says 
we are to all do it is because we are working together in the truth. Any Christian in the world, uh, mission partners from St. Stephen's, our own family members, people in the room this morning, we are working together for the good of the same gospel. Uh, lastly on this, this point, I remember talking to an African minister a number of years ago, and he said, I think somewhat jokingly, please stop sending us missionaries to Africa. And his point was that there have been such huge revivals in Africa over a number of years that they're finding they don't need missionaries in the same way anymore. And he said, we should be sending missionaries to you. We should be sending missionaries to the West, to, to New Zealand. And I think he's right. Uh, I feel that there may well come a time in the future where we find more and more people coming to New Zealand to spread the gospel because we need the gospel here in New Zealand. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so for us, uh, we should consider personally and as a church how we might receive those workers as Gaius did when the time comes. Uh, will we be too proud to work alongside others? Will we send them on their way? Or will we love them as a church? Will we receive them with open arms and remember that we are fellow workers in the truth? We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. Oh, well, that's Gaius. He's the man that the letter is written to. He's a great man. Uh, he, he, he's a great example of hospitality. John then moves to the last half of the letter and to these two men, Diotrephes and Demetrius. Uh, if you've ever seen the sitcom Frasier, it's a great show, but there's a, there's a couple on the show who right the way through, I think there's 12 or so seasons, uh, they've got a kind of will-they-won't-they they sort of relationship. And they're complete opposites in every way possible. Uh, Niles Crane is a younger brother of two from Seattle. He loves fine wine and the opera. He irons his socks. He loves the, the fine things in life. And the girl he's keen on for 12 seasons is the complete opposite. She's from northern England. Uh, she's the only girl in a family of nine children. She loves football and pubs and darts, and she thinks she's a bit psychic, whereas Niles is a psychiatrist. Uh, in every way, they're the complete opposite. And you're supposed to see that on the show. You're supposed to see that they're opposite in every way possible. Uh, well, in the same way, we're supposed to see, John is showing us, that Diotrephes and Demetrius are complete opposites in every way possible. Uh, they're two different men. They're two church members, one who is good, one who is evil, one who knows God, one who does not, one who does wrong, one who does good. And both of them, I think, are examples to us of what we should and shouldn't be striving for as members of a church family. Diotrephes in verse 9, he's described as someone who puts himself first. He's obsessed with himself. He sees these, these missionaries coming into the church and he tries to stop them. Uh, he doesn't agree either with what they're teaching or how they're running things 
or maybe even the threat that they pose to his own authority within the church. And so he sends them on their way. He spreads rumors. He gossips, verse 10. So much so that John is aware of him. He's heard of this guy and he hopes to soon come and sort him out. Diotrephes is causing trouble in the church. Uh, We heard a couple of weeks ago how a church can fall when false teachers are allowed to come in and teach freely. A church can also fall when its members act like Diotrephes. When they try to cause division, uh, they gossip, they see faithful teaching not as a great thing, but as a threat to their own authority within the church. That's what Diotrephes is threatening to do to Gaius's church. Demetrius, on the other hand, is just a good, faithful Christian man, the complete opposite. How many of us, I wonder, would love to be described as Demetrius is described in verse 12? Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. That is to say, when measured against how God's word says we are to act and live, Demetrius is great. Everyone says so. He lives out the truth. You've got two complete opposites. And as members of a church, we should seek to love others, not to put ourselves first, not to cause division, not to look out for our own preferences above anything else, but to seek to live out the truth, to walk in love like Demetrius, like Gaius, like we heard in 2 John. When change comes, and we felt a lot of change over the years here at St. Stephen's, we must put others first. Diotrephes doesn't like how the change affects him, the missionaries coming in. We are working together in the truth, and we must love one another. I think it's part of the reason we've said this many times, haven't we? why having one service at St. Stephen's has been so good. Uh, We've had to love one another, be lenient on certain things, not be as picky in certain areas, not putting ourselves first, but seeking to be Christ-like in all that we do. It's a great thing. Be like Demetrius and not like Diotrephes. That's what John is telling Gaius to, to do. Verse 11, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Uh, Well, that's 3 John. You've got John writing to Gaius, this faithful, kind of truth-filled man who welcomes missionaries, works alongside them for the gospel, and he's being warned to imitate not the evil and self-centeredness of Diotrephes, but the gospel-centered life of Demetrius. And so this morning, what I want us to think quickly about is that one verse from close to the beginning, Read with me from verse 2. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Uh, There are certain times in life and people's lives 
that they look back on when they are most happy, I think. Uh, Their wedding day, maybe. The birth of a child. A friend's success. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Nothing brings John more joy. Nothing brings John more joy than hearing that people are going strong in their faith. Uh, And there's a few things I think that we can think about just in that one small verse. Firstly, the Christian life is is a walk. It's not a sprint. It's not a jog. It's a slow, methodical walk. That's not a bad thing. Uh, I'm ashamed of this, but I I used to walk the long-distance runs at school, plodding along. Uh, It's not something I was proud of, but it's something that was was just a fact. I couldn't do it very well, so I'd just walk. Uh, Mum and Dad would come out for the big race, and they'd wait 10 minutes for all the other kids to kind of run past them before they saw... Jesse in his big shoes, kind of 500 metres behind all the other physical specimens that there were at Burwood Primary. Uh, But I remember that as I'd walk, I'd have a lot of time to think about things. You'd always end up seeing those kids that started strong. They'd probably have headbands on. They'd sprint, shoot out of the blocks, and then they'd stop. Now, I'd often stop as well. Where This is where that illustration somewhat breaks down. I would taper off. But anyway, those who sprinted, uh, they'd fall out of the race pretty quickly. You remember those words from 2 John a couple of weeks ago? They said exactly that. Anyone who runs on ahead and does not continue in Christ, they'll fall out of the race. That's what can so easily happen in the Christian walk. You see Christians who start strong, start well, but end up trying to find shortcuts, trying to finish the race early, not slowing down, learning the foundations, not walking the walk, and then they stop. And if there's no greater joy than seeing someone continue, then many of us will know that there is no greater hurt than seeing someone leave the truth. Uh, That person who for so long seemed faithful, seemed strong in their faith. They stopped coming to church. They stopped reading the word. They stopped being eager. And who somewhere along the line just stopped. It was good timing, wasn't it? The clock stopped. Uh, That is so hurtful to us as Christians. It can be so painful for us as Christians Friends, we need to remember that the Christian life is a Christian walk. We will face times of great trial. We will also face times of great joy. We will have moments of doubt, moments of great certainty. But we need to continue to put one foot in front of the other, continue to be grounded in the truth, faithful in fellowship with one another, checking on each other's souls, reminding ourselves daily of the truth of the gospel, one foot in front of the other. And we will find that there is no greater joy than in seeing someone do that. Seeing someone continue on in their faith, one foot in front of the other, through their struggles, through their joys. It's been one of the great things 
thinking about the Queen this week, hasn't it? She's someone who walked the Christian walk for many, many, many years. Uh, and how can we? How can we press forward? It's by remembering that every step of the way, we are loved and held by the God that created us. We remind ourselves of that truth. We remind each other of that truth. We can carry on by looking to that truth. Uh, The truth of the gospel, the truth of Christ, who will welcome us into heaven at the end of our Christian walk with the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That is great news. That is a great truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in that truth. A number of years ago at Shirley Intermediate, we had a confirmation service, didn't we, as a church, where 20 people from our church family publicly confirmed their faith, their trust in the truth, their faith in what we are taught as Christians, and their desire to live for Christ for the rest of their life. There is nothing greater for us as Christians to see. Uh, There is no greater joy to be had than seeing people profess their faith. And for us, what, what should we be doing then? We should be encouraging one another to continue. Praying for one another, loving one another, encouraging one another. Parents, I pray, should be saying verse 4 very literally. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Remind one another in this room of the gospel. As we finish then, very quickly, why this verse? Uh, Why is this the verse from 3 John that we've spent the most time on? Firstly, just because it's a great verse in general. But I think also because when we have this in mind, when we remember that there is no greater joy than to see others walking in the truth, I think that we will be encouraged to walk in the truth with one another. Uh, That truth that will teach us how we are to love others, how we are to love Christians that come to our church. We build one another up as we walk in the truth together. Like Demetrius, like Gaius, we can encourage others around us. When you look around this room this morning, you are surrounded by over a hundred Christians that are walking in the truth. Encourage one another, love one another, and remember that we are working together for the truth. The truth that Christ died, that we might have a relationship with our Creator, that will free us from our sin and encourage us to live lives that glorify him. I pray that we would find joy in one another's faith. Let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you for these great words. Uh, Thank you that they can encourage us, and I ask that they would encourage us both to continue on in truth and to spur one another on to continue in that same truth. And we thank you that Jesus is the truth and we ask that we all might continue in him. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.